welcome to the Access Church Podcast. You know, this morning I said something. I said, I just love the synergetic anointing that's in this ministry. That the same anointing and the same feel and the same move that's going on in Brackettville and Del Rio is going on here. And it's going on already in the future campuses that are to come. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Prophetically, dude, pastor, dude. I hadn't used dude in a long time, so it's very, very old school prophetic. You know, this morning our door got blown away. And, and, and I didn't tell you this jokingly, but God's about to blow the door away for Access Church. I am not kidding. When I say I am privileged to be part of this ministry, I mean it. From the very first day I sat there, I was sitting down right there in that chair together with my wife and I told her, I said, one day, we're gonna be part of this ministry. I'm gonna commit to it because I know where it's headed. And I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. And this morning I said, it's not just another church. Because I know that here in Eagle Pass, I don't know how many churches there are in Eagle Pass, but I know there's a bunch. Spanish, English, all kinds of denominations. And you know, crime hasn't changed because more churches opened. As a matter of fact, it might have gotten higher. Divorces didn't stop. Addictions didn't stop. I mean, things didn't get better in Eagle Pass because another church was opened. See, it's not opening churches that's going to change a community. It's the kingdom of God being preached through a church that understands the authority of the kingdom through loving people to Christ and transforming people's mindsets and making them feel like they're part of a family. It's not just a group of people gathering on Sunday, but it's a family transforming other families. And so when I talk about synergetic anointing I mean that it doesn't matter whether you're here or it doesn't matter if you show up like this morning some people that usually come here were in Del Rio it doesn't matter if they showed up in Brackettville it doesn't matter where you show up wherever you go the kingdom of God the anointing of the Lord represented through Access Church is going to show up to that place and so I am real excited about what's coming in order for this to happen we need to understand that everything that God created, He also created an environment for that. But not only that, He equipped it for that environment. And so, praise God for that. Anointing that's flowing through our children. Because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus said, do not stop the children, but let them come to me. He wasn't talking just about you know, hey, don't, he was saying, don't treat them like kids. These are not just children. These are anointed, young, young 
girls and boys that are anointed humans that are anointed individuals that I'm preparing for what's coming and one of the blessings of, of being part of this ministry is that I know that your children are being trained not just a Bible school story they're being trained to have a mindset a kingdom mindset that they are rulers and governors that they have authority that they have power that they can overcome that when they see something that's out of order they bring it to order that they are excellent in all their ways they are the head and not the tail they're above and not below they are prosperous in all their ways and they will bring honor to the house of the Lord and to their house at home and so so when God created fish for the water he had to create he had to build them in such a way that they could swim he put fins in them yet he created birds and birds have wings and they were meant to fly so if you take a fish out of the water then you're taking it out of the element where it's supposed to belong and have you ever taken a fish out of water do, do you see what it does what does it continue doing flapping anybody ever gone fishing here no yes anybody ever taken out a fish does it just lay there okay you got me it keeps flapping. Why? Because it wants to continue doing what it was equipped to do. Flap. So it can swim with its fins in the water. But there's no more water. Now it's there. It's out of its environment. It's not functional because it's not in its environment. Let me tell you something. God has equipped us. God has equipped every one of you for this environment. That as long as you're in the environment of the anointing. Come on. Whatever you equipped to do. Whether it's children ministry, music. Whatever you equipped to do. Whether it's serving. It doesn't matter what you were equipped to do. And your purpose was. You will flow in that anointing. And you will do extraordinary things because this is the environment that we are creating at Access Church so you can flow in it. Now if you still haven't used your wings or your fins talk to the pastors or talk to the and volunteer but we can use your God-given gifts. You know a couple of weeks ago our pastor was given the opportunity from the Lord to start a new series called Straight Paths. Somebody say Straight Paths. And I am privileged today to continue in that series. And it's out of the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And today I want to talk to you about going from sheep to kings. Going from sheep to kings. And so the Word of God says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own uh, understanding. In all of your ways, Submit to him. Somebody say submit. And he will make your paths straight. There's another scripture that says he will direct your paths. In other words, if your path is crooked, he will fix it. In the kingdom of God, in the natural world, uh, usually whenever we see something crooked, uh, we usually follow its path. But in the kingdom of God, when something is crooked, God fixes it for us makes us straight for us. But he doesn't want to just continue doing that. He wants to teach us to do the same thing, just like a parent teaches a child to flow in whatever they are taught in as parents. So as we read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it is probably 
uh, I found out it is probably one of the most frequently quoted verses about God's guidance in our life. Usually, we use this verse to say, well, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and, and He will do everything for you. But, but it's not about that. It's not only about, you know, just trusting God so He can do everything for you. You also need to play your part. You also need to be actively involved in the plans of God for your life. God, God did not say that he will supply all of your need and you just sit there like a birdie. Or you're waiting at home watching TV, expecting your door to be knocked or your, your, your nowadays your you know, your ring, ding, 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 ding. And then you see in the camera, and that's Publishers Clearinghouse. We have a check for a million dollars. Well, 10 million because a million dollars is no good anymore. It's not about that. When it says God will make your path straight, what does it mean? Is this a general assurance that all faithful believers will be shown by God? Uh, godly direction in the spiritual walk automatically, that everything will be done for you? Or is this a specific promise that each individual will receive both specific direction for his life? Or what is it? It's both. Sometimes God will give a general word that's for everybody. He said, I will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Come on, say his riches in the Word of God says that we are the glory of God. I've shared this before. I'll share it again just as a reminder. This time it will be free because it's buy one, get two, get, or buy two, get one free. But when the Bible talks about glory, it's talking about His people. We are the glory of God. Come on, somebody say, I am the glory of God. So when the Word of God says that He shall supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory, where are the riches? In glory, in me. Come on, say, in me. So every need that I have is supplied through you. Every need that you have is supplied through me. I have gifts. You have gifts. I have resources. You have resources. In the kingdom of God, what God does is he'll take a mountain, and we'll look at that, and he'll take a mountain, and he'll move it out of the way, or he'll make it plain because every need is met through each one of us. Sometimes your faith is not as great as my faith, but then I'll take on your faith, and I'll apply it to me because I've seen you do things that I couldn't do before, and you'll be a testimony and an example. Therefore, you're supplying my needs. Your testimony becomes a supply of my needs. Some people say, well, you know what? Uh, God doesn't heal. Well, if God healed you from cancer, praise the Lord. We just had a couple in the Rio that, that the, the wife was diagnosed with cancer and told her she had cancer. And yes, they were crying. It was a hard news. But we trusted the Lord. We believed. And I said, I have a cousin who got healed from cancer. You can get healed too. She took that word. She believed it. And this past week, they told her that she hasn't need to do chem, uh, 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 chemotherapy anymore. She doesn't need radiation and she's totally cancer free. She took somebody's glory and made it hers. Come on. He shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in. Come on, say I'm the glory of God. All the need is supplied through me. Come on. Yesterday uh, we had, when they had the children's event, somebody Somebody supplied the need of the children. It took a whole team to supply different needs for those children. The needs were supplied. So the idea that this verse only refers to just general life assurances seems to fall short in light of the rest of the scripture. We need to understand that God has assigned a word that's for everybody. He shall supply all of our needs, but also at the same 
time, there are needs that you have that are different from my needs. There are situations you're going through that are different situations than my situations. So the word is the same, but the needs are different. So God personalizes himself with you. And then when he sees your need, he takes care of it according to your individual situation. It's the same word. Come on, say it's the same word. But it applies different. The Lord is my shepherd doesn't apply to me maybe the way it applies to you. Because he could be, I need a shepherd in one area and you might need a shepherd in another area. So obviously an all-knowing, all-powerful God can generally encourage all of us to take godly paths. And as we study straight paths, we need to understand that he mainly and specifically wants to guide each one of us in our daily life path so we can reach the destiny, the potential, the purpose in our life, the calling in our life, and our destiny in our life. You know, I've had a lot of people come up to me and have told me, Pastor, pray, uh, I'm going to apply for this job, and I want to make sure it's God's will. And Then why are you applying for it? How many of you have ever gone to apply for a job? Usually you go to apply for a job when? When you don't have a job. When you need a job. So if you don't know if it's God's will for you to have that job, then why are you applying for it? But when you have a relationship with a father... When you have a relationship with God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you because the Bible says that he gave us the keys to the kingdom. And what opens doors? Keys. So you have the power to open a door or close a door. You have the power to go, you know what? I'm going to go to that job. I need that job. And I'm going to go in Jesus' name and I'm going to get that job. Just recently, I did that. I passed in front of an office and I said, you know what? I'm changing jobs. I pointed to the office. I told my wife, you know what? I'm going to go back to doing that. I'm going to go back and work as a hospice chaplain. And a week later, I have an interview on Monday and I'm probably going to get the job. So not because, well, who do you think you are to say that? A child of God, a king with authority, a man that has walked the walk and the path of his shepherd to understand what's coming, understand his voice, understand his language, understand the king. But first you need to walk in the way of the shepherd. And so we can see that God through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through his relationship with you, we can see that God straightens our paths and we can see that through Jeremiah 29, 11, where the word of God says, and I know everybody uses this verse for graduation, for I know the plans that I have, says the Lord. Yes or no? Everybody uses that for graduation, not knowing that that scripture was about a Jerusalem that was doing pretty bad. And God was trying to tell Jerusalem, hey, you know what? Uh, you're messing up, but I know the plans I had for you, but you messed them up. But in this case, come on, in this case, I'm going to take that scripture and I'm going to apply it to me because the Lord says, the plans that I have for you are to prosper you and to bless you and to do good things for you. Also, we read in Psalm 119, 105, the word of God says there, come on, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want you to write this and I want you to understand this and grab it very strong. That is a prophetic anointed word there because it says your word is a lamp unto my feet. That's the present and a, la and a light unto my path. That's the future. This is word of knowledge, word of wisdom. It's a revelational word for right now and you need right now and a revelational word for your future. Did you get that? Come on, say light and lamp. Your word is a light the present, and a lamp, the future. In other words, I know where I'm walking now, and I know where I'm headed. 
There's no doubt. And so Psalm 119, 105 says that, and through the word of God in John 14, 26, we see that the Lord would send his Holy Spirit, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you what? Come on, will teach you what? All things. Come on, say what? All things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he will teach you what? All things. So how many of you have the Holy Spirit? Come on, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have a teacher. Come on, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have the answer. All you have to say, Holy Spirit, show me in the word. Holy Spirit, show me the way. Holy Spirit, just show me. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have a teacher. And then on top of that, he reminds you what Jesus did here on earth. So as we get deeper into this message, we find a promise in verse 23 of Psalm 23. How many of you know Psalm 23? You know, and I'm kind of, I'm going to read it for you because it's one of my favorite psalms. I know everybody usually uses it for funeral. And they usually have read it in funerals and they read it as a cliche psalm. But it has more power than that. When my dad was uh, uh, in hospice, I remember the hospice chaplain used to uh, go to the side of his bed. And every time he came, he would read the same psalm, Psalm 23 to him. And my dad finally said, oye, no te sabes otro salmo? Don't you know another psalm? Is that all you know, Psalm 23? He says, anyway, are you even saved? And then my dad started preaching to him, and he preached Psalm 23 to him, and he described the whole psalm to him, and the man left crying, and he says, I don't want to be chaplain there anymore. Can you send somebody else? So the Lord is my shepherd. I want nothing. I mean, just that first. Come on, say it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I want nothing. There's another version that says, I lack nothing. It doesn't say, I will not lack it, or I don't want something. It says, I don't want anything. I don't lack anything. Because as long as he's my shepherd, everything that I need is already given to me. Just because he's my shepherd, just that alone, the Lord, come on, say the Lord. Just because he's the Lord. He's my governor, my possessor, my owner. Just because he's my shepherd, that means that I don't desire or want anything because I already have it. I don't, I'm not a beggar. Come on, say, I'm not a beggar. I don't go begging. I'm a blesser. I don't go saying, oh, Lord, please, Lord, how am I going to do it? The Lord says, I already gave it to you. All you have to do is wake up to it. All you have to do is open your eyes to it because I already created a path for it. I already created a way for it. I have already been there, done that. Come on. Oh. This is just the first part. Come on. If you ever want to preach the gospel of somebody, just open up Psalm 23 and just share that first line. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. We'll explain all that in a minute. He refreshes my soul or he restores my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You're rolling your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, runneth over. Surely your goodness and mercy, your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me tell you something about that last part, because uh, hopefully I'll have time to explain that, but I just want to share it with you ahead of time. When it says, I will dwell in the house forever of the Lord forever, uh, if you understand history and if you understand uh, 
the way the Bible in chronological order, the way things happen. When David set this, David set this and he didn't build, there was no temples yet. How many of you know who the one who built the first temple was? Solomon, it was his son. He wanted one day to build a temple, but so when he was talking about the house of the Lord, he wasn't talking about going to church. He was talking about a house. He was talking about a habitation. My last name is Cantu. I live in the house of Cantu. My children belong to the house of Cantu because they are part of the Cantu family. So when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he wasn't talking about a church building. He was talking about a position of being part of a family. That's why we're a family here. We are part of the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord, I will dwell forever. It means in fellowship, I will be forever. In fellowship, I will be with people forever. It doesn't matter whether we're in the church building or outside the church building. It doesn't matter where we're gathered in a park or we're gathered in somebody's house. We're always in the house of the Lord when we're together. And that brings a lot of responsibility. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, as we read it, gives us a glimpse of what Psalm 23 talks about in one of, a, one of the parts in the scripture where it says that I will, even though that I will, he says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Come on, say the right paths, the straight paths. And so when he was talking about that, he guides me along the right paths. The overall context of Psalm 23 indicates that the promise involves more than just a general life guidance. It involved a relationship with a shepherd. God wants to get personal with us. He wants to take us from just a mere congregation to a personal relationship where he understands you and you understand him, where he directs you and then you obey and you follow his direction. God wants to get so personal with us that the Bible says that God even knows how many hairs you have in your head or how many are you losing. Amen. I said, Lord, what happened? You know, suddenly... I cut my hair the other day, and my wife says, you know, you have a big forehead. And I said, honey, they llaman entradas. This thing's right here, you know? It's called paths. It's called wisdom. You know, you don't only get wisdom from white hair. You get it from going like this every time. You just go, oh, how am I going to do it, Lord? How am I going to do it? Amen? So a shepherd doesn't just send sheep and go, orale. Let's go pasture. Let's go eat. He just doesn't get the sheep and go, okay, we're going to go eat and, and then let them loose. Come on. No, he guides them and he leads them to the right place. When I was growing up, my dad used to shepherd sheep and he used to teach me about that. And my dad suffered a lot through uh, that process, but he learned a lot as well. When he was 12 years old, my grandpa used to take him about 15 miles away from where they lived in the ranch, and he used to go take care of about 300 goats and sheep. And he used to leave them there for 15 days, and 15 days later, he would come for him. He would leave them with some frijoles, some tortillas, a 22, and he says, if you get hungry, kill a little goat, you know, get, eat some meat, but do not let the coyotes or the, or the, or the foxes eat any of the sheep, because if they do, I'm going to get you. 
And so my dad always lived with that fear. Imagine taking care of, of 300 sheep, uh, taking care of goats, and it's in the middle of the night, and, and you hear the coyotes. Imagine a 12-year-old child in that situation. But he learned so much about sheep that he started telling me, he started coaching me, and he said that he would, uh, he would lay down in the middle of the sheep, and he would lay down with them, and they would keep them in, in the cool of the night. They would keep them warm. But he said that as soon as that they knew that danger was coming, they would start shaking. And that woke him up, and he would get up, and he would get his gun, and sure enough, here comes a coyote, and he would shoot it. And so whenever you get that personal God wants to know who you are. He knows when you're afraid. He knows when you're shaking. He knows what you're going through. He knows that you're trembling right there because you're scared of what's coming. So he gets up and he defends you. Even in the midst of problems, he defends you because he's got that personal connection with you. So a shepherd just doesn't ship, send his sheep off in a general direction and hope things go well. O, o, ojalá y encuentren where to eat. He leads them to green pastures. Come on, say, he leads them to green pastures. He goes ahead of them, and he gets to know the paths before he guides them in those paths. He's already been there, done that. Come on, say, he's already been there. He already knows about the path. He knows what's in the path. So one day, my wife and I were watching a documentary about the Middle East, and a man was talking about the green pastures. And he was pointing to a barren mountain. How many of you have ever traveled through Arizona or New Mexico, and you've seen those mountains, and all you see is rocks? And you go, what can possibly live there? And that's how these mountains looked. And I said, those hills and mountains. And I said, and he said, there's green pastures there. And I said, that doesn't look like no green pastures. But then the man said, you see all those paths up there? I said, yeah. He says, we're going to go over there. The next thing you know, the camera, they're already there. And he starts walking towards a big boulder, a big rock. And when he gets there, he points to it. And then he says, you see this down here? And there was this little bunches of grass, this little, uh, 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 you know, shoots that, that grew together. And there were just little, you know, bunches of grass just here and there under the rock. And he says, these grow here because the dew that comes at night hits the rock. The water trickles down the rock and it feeds the grass that's under the rock. And so that's why you have all these little bushes, all these little bunches of grass. So whenever I read Green Pastures, I thought, you know, hey, little house on the prairie. Well, I, I, I'm showing my age. Uh, I don't know what else, you know, t Teletubbies. I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, I, that was, they had green heels. I don't know. And if you watch Teletubbies, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, I remember like, you know, we would turn on, the kids would turn on Teletubbies. No, I said the diablo. Turn it off. Turn it off. Amen. But anyway, anything that looks like that must be of the devil. But anyway, um, anyway, anyway, uh, there's some people that look like Teletubbies. I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, so, so green pasture. Let's go back to green pasture. See how you distract me. I'm in my anointing and you distract me with the Teletubbies. So there was these, these I thought these green pastures were these luscious fields. But when I saw that, when I looked at that, the man went to that point and he said, these are the green pastures. See, the only way that those sheep were going to find those green pastures is because the shepherd knew where those green pastures were at. See, from the natural naked eye, it, you can't see no green pastures. It looks bland. It looks naked. It looks barren. It looks bad. But hidden within that are the 
Come on, green pastures or the green grass that were going to feed the sheep. He knew the path to where it was at. He knew how to get there. You know what? Sometimes God will hide things in plain view. Sometimes it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. Sometimes you planted that seed, those tomatoes, those chiles, forever, nothing grows. But suddenly out of the blues, just like cilantro, it just doesn't stop growing. You know why? Because God always hides things from the enemy and protects it until he leads you to where they're at so you only enjoy it and nobody else. Come on. Sometimes there's hidden treasures that he has for you. Nobody can see them. Nobody knows about them. But because you spend intimate time with him and his word, you know exactly where those things are. You know exactly where the green pasture's at because you spend time with the shepherd. A lot of times, we were always there complaining, Lord, how come I don't get that? Because you don't spend time with the shepherd. You're not a lamb. You don't behave like sheep. The Bible says that the shepherd knows his sheep. He goes ahead of them. He guides them along specific paths that he knows will be best for them. David, the author of Psalm 23, knew a lot about caring for sheep under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. David went beyond the basic model of just shepherding and leading his flock to emphasize God's guidance for us as individuals, of having a relationship with God just like a child has a relationship with a parent. Everybody knows their children. Everybody knows their children. You know, back in the day, things have gotten better, but back in the day when, when child care first started in the, in the church, oh, I hadn't seen my, that looks cool. Anyway, when, <laughs> when child, how many of you remember, you remember, Pastor, when they used to put the little number right there? And as soon as you thought, oh, that's my child. Because you knew your children. And as soon as you knew, you knew or you heard somebody yell, yes, you knew. Or can the parents of so-and-so come over here? You already, yeah, he already got in trouble. Come on, because we know our children, yes or no? Each individual child, each child has its own personality, characteristic, and fathers knows best. The father knows you so much that he knows everything about you. And so because father knows best, the word of God says in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 3 that the good shepherd calls his own sheep by name. Come on, say by name. Say, I have a name. And it's not only JC or Brian or Mauricio or, or, or Flor, I mean Susan, my wife's first name is Flor, or Flor, it's, it's, it's also by name in your gift. Some of you are called apostles, some of you are called evangelists, some of you are called administrators, some of you are called by your gift. He's giving you a name, a personality to be a blessing to the body of Christ. He's giving you an identity. He calls you by name. He calls you healed. He calls you prosperous. He he calls you peace. He calls you love. He calls you joy. Come on. He calls you anointed. He calls you in total health. He's giving you a name. That's why the Bible says his name is above all name. In other words, your name comes marked with his seal, with his personality. And so the shepherd calls his sheep by name. This means a personal relationship parallel to that relationship between a father and a child. Again, the quote that says, father knows best because you've been there done that. So let's go back to Psalm 23, and I want to complete the rest of my sermon through this, through this psalm, and I want us to look at a couple of things. And so 
I want to start with the anointing of the shepherd, the anointing of the shepherd. Somebody say the anointing of the shepherd. Under this anointing, you get fed, there is provision, and there is protection. When you follow the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or I don't want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me upon waters of resting places. That means that the Lord provides for his sheep by guiding them to where they will find their food, to where they will find their water, to where they will find their place. In David's Bethlehem, there was a lot of seasons that there was a lot of drought. And so when the Bible says he will lead them to steel waters, he was talking about these places that sometimes storms would come and these storms would start at the mountains and they would run down and create this ravishing rivers of water. And so during that time, they would gather all the sheep and they would take the sheep back to the house, back to the corral, back to the shepherd. He would take them back there and he would keep them back there safe. But whenever all the water was gone, then suddenly there was no more water. The rivers were dry, but the shepherds had walked the paths and they knew what there was water holes. That's why it's called steel waters. And they would find those water holes and only the shepherds knew the paths to the water holes. Come on. And so God knows the path to the water hole. The Bible says that when Jesus met with the woman at the water, at the well, the woman from Samaria, he told her, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst. He knew where the water well was at. He knew where the still water was at. He knew where to lead that woman. Although that woman came on their own by the spirit, they ended up meeting together. The shepherd knows where to take you to drink water. Come on. If you're thirsty, he'll know where to take you to drink water. Then the next thing that he did is he says this. Then in verse 3, in a more religious language, he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. And if he's assimilating this to sheep, I don't know, but I don't know of any sheep who's righteous or needed righteousness. But yet again, he was talking about humans and we need righteousness. But not only that, we became righteousness because the word of God says we're the righteousness of God. This morning, our pastor shared scripture that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Come on. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness and everything will be added. Come on, say, I'm the righteousness. When you seek the kingdom and the king, all provision is given to you, but also you find righteousness within each other because you're no longer accused. You're no longer better. You're no longer stoned. Come on, you're no longer pushed away. The righteousness of God can see each other and understand each other. You know, you know the scripture that says we go from glory to glory, glory to glory. Yes, there's an escalating sense, but also it meant like a mirror, glory to glory. I find myself in you you find yourself in me and there are situations in my life that need to be fixed but whenever I go and I mirror them with you then I find that those fixed things in your life will fix my things and my fixed things in your life will fix your things come on we are going from glory to glory walking from glory to glory that's why relationship is so important in the kingdom of God because the glory of God in me will match the glory of God in you it's like a mirror let me fast forward. The anointing of the shepherd 
as you're walking. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When I was a little boy, I used to go to Mexico and we used to go deep into the mountains where my grandparents lived. And I remember that we used to go play and we loved going up the mountain. And then there was these canyons and, you know, we're a little bit traviesos. And I remember that we used to haul these big tires, truck tires up there, and we would just push them down. The problem is that at the very bottom of those hills, those high hills were canyons, but after the canyons were all the huts or all the little houses where the people lived. And sometimes those huts would hit a rock and they would jump over the canyon and go and land on top of the huts. But the times that it didn't, so we wouldn't get in trouble. We would go, go looking for those tires. And I remember that when we would get to the very bottom of that ravine, we would find, I would often find bones and I would often find carcasses. And, and I remember that I asked my grandpa, I said, why are all these bones and carcasses there? And he says, what were you doing there? And I said, uh, just checking. And <laughs> has nothing to do with tires. And he said, uh, well, it's because sometimes the sheep fall and die there. Sometimes the deer fall and die there. But most of the time, that's where the coyotes and the mountain lions hide in the dark areas of that valley of that canyon. So when those sheep go down there and are walking through there, even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Bible says that the shepherd keeps walking. It doesn't say he stops to ponder death. The Bible says that he walked just through it. Jesus went through the cross and he walked right through the valley of the shadow of death. And even though physically he was killed on a cross, the Bible says that he was buried. And the Bible says that three days later, he showed up back on the other side of the valley. Even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he feared no evil. So because he's gone through death, I can go through death. And because on the other side of death, there's life. I have life and that eternal, whether it's here on earth or on the other side, even when I go rest in him. Why? Because I follow the path of the shepherd. Come on, somebody say, I follow the path of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want. Say, the other side has life. I want to finish with this. The anointing of the king. Suddenly, in all the verses, you start seeing a transformation of language. The Bible says, your rod and your Staff, they what? Comfort me. And yes, shepherd carried those, but also kings carried those. When a king would raise up his staff, that means his authority was being shown. And he's the one that with that staff, he would say, who lives and who dies? And God has raised, the shepherd has raised his staff and he has pointed it to us and he says, he lives, she lives, he lives, she lives, he lives, she lives, he lives, they live, they live, they live, they live, they live. Because the authority of the king says, I decree that as long as I'm king, there's no more death. Now there's life. But in verse five, come on, somebody say verse five. And this is how we finish this. In verse five, it says, that the scene suddenly changes, the language suddenly changes. The picture of a shepherd and sheep fades into a picture of a banquet. And it says, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Come on, say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. In other words, in fact, the whole tone of this psalm changes to something more in the lines of kingdoms and covenants. How do you account this change? Well, 
See, David used to be a shepherd, and the whole time that he was a shepherd, he was a shepherd because his family didn't like him. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 27, he even says that his parents despised him because his brothers thought that he was the son of a prostitute. They shunned him. They despised him. They sent him to take care of sheep because they didn't want him to be part of what could be seen. David was different. So he said, you know what? You go take care of the sheep. So suddenly one day, this man, this prophet named Samuel shows up and he says, I came with an order of the Lord to anoint the next king of Israel. And he comes and he tells David's father, hey, can you bring your children out? So he brings out the best of the best and he stands him up right there in front of Samuel. Samuel takes out his anointing horn and he had been instructed he says open the anointing horn with oil and wherever the oil pours that's who's going to be the next king. So there he goes. Nothing. He even did I saw this do somebody do this one he even did the ketchup thing. Was that you? <laughs> Nothing would come out. But you know what? He gets to the end and he tells David's dad, hey, do you have any more children? Well, kind of. I have one over there, but that prietito. He used to be a sheep herder. He's not good looking. No, no, not that just, he doesn't fit the part. Bring him. His brothers hated him. Imagine, there was a table prepared with this banquet. Fruits and meats and everything because a new king was going to be anointed. And they already wanted to eat. They already wanted to celebrate. But suddenly they had to wait for that young man to show up. You know what? There's enemies around you that have shunned you. They don't like you. They despise you. They don't like you because of the way you worship God. Because of the way you serve God. Because of how you serve. Because of what you do. They don't like you. They, they criticize you. They push you. Oh, he's nothing. He's serving. They're doing nothing. They're just serving food. They're doing nothing. All they're doing is cleaning the floor. They're doing nothing. They're nobodies. They have not. They don't preach from a pulpit. They're not an apostle. They're not a prophet. They're nothing. But when God anoints you, you are somebody in the kingdom of God. And even though you might be shunned, even though the, the paths look crooked, even though there was mountains in front, a servant showed up and said, David, you're wanted at home. And he said, for what? I don't know, but they said for you to go. So he shows up and he sees the table and he says, oh, somebody's going to get anointed as king today. One of my brothers is probably going to be king. And suddenly... Samuel puts him right there and the horn starts pouring. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. Come on, and when the Bible says, he says, you prepared a table in the presence of my enemies, the parents that hated him, the brothers that hated him, suddenly now had to sit at the table of the new king named David, that he had to sit there. They might hate you. They might shun you. They might have shoved you away. Your family might have disowned you. But the Lord says he's preparing a table for you. The Lord says he's straightening out the paths for you. And he's going to sit you at the front of the table. So so that the banquet is about you. He's celebrating you. He's delivering you. Suddenly, you go from serving food to teaching a class. Keep doing what you're doing because in due time, what might seem crooked to the people, what might seem like nothing to the people, God will straighten out and he'll sit you at the right place at the table.
How many of you believe that? His brothers mocked him when he went to go fight Goliath. The Bible says this. This is, he says, and in the house of the Lord, I will dwell forever. This meant that he was going to be able to go back with his sheep all together, all safe and sound, back to the house. Safe and sound. God has anointed you and prepared you to guide a flock of sheep, whether it's your family, whether it's a group of people at church, whether it's a group of people out there, whether it's a group of people at your job, God is preparing you. He's serving the table in the presence of your enemies. And I want to finish today with this prophetic word over you. I want to close today. There will always be crooked paths in front of you, but I have a prophetic word for you today. When you submit yourself to the shepherd, to the paths, and to the authority of the king and the kingdom, the Lord has this to say. In Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, it says, please stand up as I release this to you in the name of Jesus. As I release this to you personally, as I release it to Access Church. Access Church, I will go before you and level the mountains. In other words, I will make the crooked paths straight. I will break in pieces the door of bronze and cut asunder the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures that are hidden in darkness, the riches hidden in secret places that you may not know that are there. That is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. Come on, calls you by your name. And today it's called Access Church. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.